the Bible. From America's colonial period to her rise to become the richest, most powerful nation in history, the ideas and values that guide us, protect us, and hold our society together flow from the pages of this book of books. We hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. Our founding documents affirm and build on the scriptural concepts of God-given, not state-granted rights, and of liberty under law. The biblical worldview shaped our work ethic, made education a priority, and birthed the notion of finite, limited government under divine authority. One nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. The pilgrims, the Puritans, the founding fathers and American leaders throughout our history have emphasized the Bible's importance to America. The first and almost the only book worthy of universal attention is the Bible. John Quincy Adams. But for the book, we could not know right from wrong. All the things desirable to man are contained in it. Abraham Lincoln. The foundations of our society and our government rest so much on the teachings of the Bible that it would be difficult to support them if faith in these teachings would cease to be practically universal in our country. Calvin Coolidge. The Bible Live is your opportunity to listen to the Bible, a 15 to 20 minute reading every weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Now, here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout on this annual excursion through the Word. Soapy Dollar. <laughs> thank you very much, Kevin Bell. And thank you, my good friend Roy Butler, engineering, putting us on the air. And we thank you folks for joining with us each and every evening. It's always a delight to spend some time in the Scriptures with you. This is about your chance to hear the Bible itself. Not my views of the Bible. I hope you heard me correctly. The Bible itself. That's what we're reading through. And tonight, we have just begun this week the Gospel of Matthew. We've read Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. And now we come to the New Testament, starting with the first book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, this converted Jew, a tax collector, a Levite. And he wrote this record of what he saw and observed and what he lived as he followed Jesus the Messiah in his three to three and a half years of life and ministry in Israel. Last night we read of his birth and the beginnings of his ministry. Tonight we're going to be picking up right there at the beginning of Matthew chapter 6. Matthew presents Jesus as the king. His presentation of Jesus is unashamedly and very overtly Jewish. He talks about Jesus being the Messiah, the righteous branch, that king that was long promised for the nation of Israel. Of course, we understand he is the king of spiritual Israel, all of God's people. And in chapter 5, we began the Sermon on the Mount, and that's where we'll pick up tonight in the middle of that Sermon on the Mount. We'll get to that in just a moment. But as always, we begin our Bible line presentation with a reading from the Psalms and the Proverbs. Tonight we come to a Psalm of David, a prayer for help when facing temptation. Psalm 141. O Lord, I am calling to you. Please hurry. Listen when I cry to you for help. Accept my prayer as incense offered to you, and my upraised hands as an evening offering. Take control of what I say, O Lord, and keep my lips sealed. Don't let me lust for evil things. Don't let me participate in acts of wickedness. Don't let me share in the delicacies of those who do evil. Let the godly strike me. It will be a kindness. If they reprove me, it is a soothing medicine. Don't let me refuse it. 
but I am in constant prayer against the wicked and their deeds. When their leaders are thrown down from a cliff, they will listen to my words and find them pleasing. Even as a farmer breaks up the soil and brings up rocks, so the bones of the wicked will be scattered without a decent burial. I look to you for help, O sovereign Lord. You are my refuge. Don't let them kill me. Keep me out of the traps they have set for me, out of the snares of those who do evil. Let the wicked fall into their own snares, but let me escape. End of reading, Psalm 141. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. He's making a list in his book of life. He's going to see who has eternal life. Jesus Christ is coming again. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. He knows when you're uptight. He knows when you're in darkness. So let's walk in Jesus' light. Oh, you better get right just as fast as you can. Wash your sin in the blood of the Lamb. Jesus Christ is coming again. There you have it. What we call a converted Christmas carols, secular songs that someone years ago we discovered had written Christ-centered, God-honoring lyrics to them. And we like to put them out and let you hear them this time of the year. There are about four or five of them. I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas Becomes Come See This One They Call Jesus. Others as well, you can hear them at our website, thebiblelive.com, or you can see them and print down the lyrics if you'd like, thebiblelive.com. Right now, though, let's stop focusing on Jesus coming again, and let's read about his coming the very first time. We're in the Gospel of Matthew, picking up now in chapter 6, deep into Jesus teaching the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is giving this on a hillside near Capernaum. It probably covered several days of teaching and preaching. It challenged the proud, legalistic, religious leaders of the day. There'll be lots of principles. We start out with giving, prayer, and fasting. Lots of instructions and guidelines for us on the Bible life. Matthew 6, 1 through 9, 38. Matthew 6. Take care. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired, because then you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. When you give a gift to someone in need, don't shout about it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I assure you they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone, don't tell your left hand what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in secret, and your Father who knows all secrets will reward you. And now about prayer. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. I assure you that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father secretly. Then your Father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. When you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered only by repeating their words again and again. Don't be like them because your Father knows exactly what you need even before you ask Him. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be honored. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Give us our food for today. And forgive us our sins just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation but deliver us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. 
And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, who try to look pale and disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I assure you that is the only reward they will ever get. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. Then no one will suspect you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in secret. And your father, who knows all secrets, will reward you. Don't store up treasures here on earth where they can be eaten by moths and get rusty, and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven, where they will never become moth-eaten or rusty, and where they will be safe from thieves. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and thoughts will also be. Your eye is a lamp for your body. A pure eye lets sunshine into your soul. But an evil eye shuts out the light and plunges you into darkness. If the light you think you have is really darkness, how deep that darkness will be. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food, drink, and clothes. Doesn't life consist of more than food and clothing? Look at the birds. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns because your heavenly Father feeds them. And you are far more valuable to Him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And why worry about clothes? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't He more surely care for you? You have so little faith. So don't worry about having enough food or drink or clothing. Why be like the pagans who are so deeply concerned about these things? Your heavenly Father already knows all your needs, and He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for Him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 7 Stop judging others and you will not be judged, for others will treat you as you treat them. Whatever measure you use in judging others, it will be used to measure how you are judged. And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye, when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite! First, get rid of the log from your own eye, then perhaps you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't give what is holy to unholy people. Don't give pearls to swine. They will trample the pearls, then turn and attack you. Keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And the door is opened to everyone who knocks. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. If you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask Him? Do for others what you would like them to do for you. This is a summary of all that is taught in the Law and the Prophets. You can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad, and its gate is wide for the many who choose the easy way. But the gateway to life is small, and the road is narrow, and only a few ever find it. 
Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep but are really wolves that will tear you apart. You can detect them by the way they act, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit. You don't pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. A healthy tree produces good fruit, and an unhealthy tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, the way to identify a tree or a person is by the kind of fruit that is produced. Not all people who sound religious are really godly. They may refer to me as Lord, but they still won't enter the kingdom of heaven. The decisive issue is whether they obey my Father in heaven. On judgment day, many will tell me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and cast out demons in your name, and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Go away. The things you did were unauthorized. Anyone who listens to my teaching and obeys me is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on rock. But anyone who hears my teaching and ignores it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it will fall with a mighty crash. After Jesus finished speaking, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 8. Large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached Jesus. He knelt before him, worshiping. Lord, the man said, if you want to, you can make me well again. Jesus touched him. I want to, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Then Jesus said to him, Go right over to the priest and let him examine you. Don't talk to anyone along the way. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who have been healed of leprosy, so everyone will have proof of your healing. When Jesus arrived in Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him, Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and racked with pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. Lord, I am not worthy to have you come into my home. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. I know because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go, and they go, or come, and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this or that, they do it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd, he said, I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all the land of Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world and sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. But many Israelites, those for whom the kingdom was prepared, will be cast into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the Roman officer, Go on home. What you have believed has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. When Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was in bed with a high fever. But when Jesus touched her hand, the fever left her. Then she got up and prepared a meal for him. That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. All the spirits fled when he commanded them to leave. And he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through Isaiah, who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. When Jesus noticed how large the crowd was growing, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. 
Then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, Teacher, I will follow you no matter where you go. But Jesus said, Foxes have dens to live in, and birds have nests. But I, the Son of Man, have no home of my own, not even a place to lay my head. Another of his disciples said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Follow me now. Let those who are spiritually dead care for their own dead. Then Jesus got into the boat and started across the lake with his disciples. Suddenly a terrible storm came up, with waves breaking into the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went to him and woke him up, shouting, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And Jesus answered, Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. Then he stood up and rebuked the wind and waves, and suddenly all was calm. The disciples just sat there in awe. Who is this? they asked themselves. Even the wind and waves obey him. When Jesus arrived on the other side of the lake in the land of the Gadarenes, two men who were possessed by demons met him. They lived in a cemetery and were so dangerous that no one could go through that area. They began screaming at him, Why are you bothering us, Son of God? You have no right to torture us before God's appointed time. A large herd of pigs was feeding in the distance, so the demons begged, If you cast us out, send us into that herd of pigs. All right, go, Jesus commanded them. So the demons came out of the men and entered the pigs, and the whole herd plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby city, telling everyone what happened to the demon-possessed men. The entire town came out to meet Jesus, but they begged him to go away and leave them alone. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Matthew 9. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. Blasphemy! This man talks like he is God, some of the teachers of religious law said among themselves. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, Why are you thinking such evil thoughts? Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven, or get up and walk? I will prove that I, the Son of Man, have the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, take your mat, and go on home, because you are healed. And the man jumped up and went home. Fear swept through the crowd as they saw this happen right before their eyes. They praised God for sending a man with such great authority. As Jesus was going down the road, he saw Matthew sitting at his tax collection booth. Come, be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. That night, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to be his dinner guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. The Pharisees were indignant. Why does your teacher eat with such scum, they asked his disciples. When he heard this, Jesus replied, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to be merciful. I don't want your sacrifices. For I have come to call sinners, not those who think they are already good enough. One day the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus and asked him, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples don't fast? Jesus responded, Should the wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Someday he will be taken from them, and then they will fast. And who would patch an old garment with unshrunk cloth? For the patch shrinks and pulls away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger hole than before. 
and no one puts new wine into old wineskins, the old skins would burst from the pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins. That way both the wine and the wineskins are preserved. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt down before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand upon her. As Jesus and the disciples were going to the official's home, a woman who had had a hemorrhage for twelve years came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and said to her, Daughter, be encouraged. Your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus arrived at the official's home, he noticed the noisy crowds and heard the funeral music. He said, Go away, for the girl isn't dead. She's only asleep. But the crowd laughed at him. When the crowd was finally outside, Jesus went in and took the girl by the hand, and she stood up. The report of this miracle swept through the entire countryside. After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us! They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, Don't tell anyone about this. But instead they spread his fame all over the region. When they left, some people brought to him a man who couldn't speak because he was possessed by a demon. So Jesus cast out the demon and instantly the man could talk. The crowds marveled. Nothing like this has ever happened in Israel, they exclaimed. But the Pharisees said he can cast out demons because he is empowered by the prince of demons. Jesus traveled through all the cities and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And wherever he went, he healed people of every sort of disease and illness. He felt great pity for the crowds that came, because their problems were so great and they didn't know where to go for help. They were like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, The harvest is so great, but the workers are so few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send out more workers for his field. End of reading, Matthew 6, 1 through 9, 38. This is Christmas, joyous Christmas. Every pure heart is filled with a song that is praising the Savior. The glory and the blessing that has brightened. You're listening to the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. Was born Christmas Day. I hope you enjoy these converted Christmas carols. If you'd like to get the lyrics to them, maybe to use at your Christmas party or family get-together. We know those songs so well, Jingle Bells, I'm Dreaming of a White Christmas, Silver Bells, and so on. But it's so fun to sing them when they talk about our God and the Messiah. Go to thebiblelive.com and you can print those out. You know the tune already. Tonight, this Sermon on the Mount is just amazing. Probably it is the compilation of memorable sayings, lessons, principles that Jesus taught. He probably taught these often in different settings. This is Matthew getting a chance to recap them for us. There's a whole series in chapter 6 of things that he said, don't do them for public consumption. Don't give so that other people see you give and you receive adulation and appreciation and applause. 
Don't pray to impress men. Now, Jesus is not saying there shouldn't be public prayer because he himself did pray in public. There is a time for a public prayer of worship. What he's talking about here is the attitude with which we pray. Don't pray to impress men. And, of course, he enjoins forgiveness. If we ask God to forgive us, but we're not being patient and forgiving of others, then we should not be expecting to experience God's forgiveness in our own lives. When you have an attitude of unforgiveness, impatience, of legalistic condemnation on others, it's not that God won't forgive you. You are not in a position to experience God's forgiveness because God's forgiveness comes into the experience of those who are humble, who are broken, who are contrite. And if you are humble and broken and contrite, you won't be legalistically holding on to a sense of condemnation and superiority over other people. It's a wonderful lesson that Jesus is talking about. He talks about fasting and don't fast so that you look, quote, spiritual, hungry and pale because you haven't eaten. What Jesus says about money in chapter 6 is so interesting. You would expect Jesus to say, wherever your heart is, that's where your money's going to go. He turns that entirely backwards and he says, where you put your money, that is going to guide where your heart is. That's going to guide your motives and your priorities. Your heart follows your money in this particular case. And then he talks about your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. Have you ever walked in a room in the night and stumped your toe because there was no light for you to see? So your eye can guide your body in the same way your motives guide your actions. And if your motives are wrong, your actions will also be wrong, no matter how good they may seem to be on the surface. My goodness, this passage is just so overwhelming. Beautiful, powerful lesson and teaching through chapters 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount things that we could comment on and that could we could chew on for a long time. And then these very special people that Jesus meets, this man healed of leprosy. Remember, we've been reading about that, the Mosaic Law to when you were healed of leprosy, go present yourself to the priest. They're still doing that. After 1,500 years, Jesus sends him to be examined by the priest because he's healed of leprosy. And then this Roman officer with his tremendous faith, the fact that Peter had a mother-in-law, that was very interesting. And Jesus healed her, and he calms the storms, and he calms the sea, the paralyzed man. Oh, there's so many lessons. But I love this last one. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would send more harvesters the into Bible the field. Live with Soapy Dollar. Soapy reads from the New Living Translation by Kindle House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America, and your prayers and financial support are needed Please mail your tax-deductible gift to the Bible Live Post Office Box 18888. That's the Bible Live P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for the Bible Live with Soapy Dollars. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible. Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.